Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Protected Space. It is just me, Bryant, today in our intro because Dr. Aaron is cruising the Gulf of Mexico and maybe farther than that. I'm actually not even sure, but she's out of the country on a cruise. So I am doing the intro today and I'll keep it short and sweet. I just wanted to introduce you guys to our first anonymous guest. Her pseudonym is Camille, and we're so excited to have Camille on the podcast today as she talks about her life growing up as a donor-conceived child and the unexpected family that she ended up having because of it. So we're really excited to have Camille on today, and you guys enjoy. Space podcast. We are so excited to have Camille here, which is a pseudonym today to tell her story about being a the product of a sperm donor situation. Yeah, welcome, Camille. <laughs> Thank you. So let me give you a little backstory. I met Camille in class years ago, and she told me of this situation in her life. And I was really fascinated about it. And so when we decided to do this podcast, I reached out to her to ask if she felt comfortable, you know, discussing the things that we had talked about that she had shared. And she was very uh, grateful and agreeing to come on and talk about it. So we're just going to dive right in. Have a really open, candid conversation. That's the part that like, we're pretty excited about having with you is just to hear all of the nuances that I think that most people don't think about when they grow up from a situation like yours. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, I don't know. Tell us about you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I um, was a unique situation in that I knew my sperm donor father status my whole life, whereas all my other siblings did not. Okay, Um, I was... Let's take a minute to say Camille is the daughter of a same sex female, two women, two moms. Yeah. So I'll, I'll see. I can start at the beginning. Start with that part so we can catch everybody up to like how you came to this place. Okay. So my mom and another woman that were together for about 13 years had my brother and I from the same sperm donor, but they each carried one of us and four years apart. So that's amazing. Yeah. 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 So that was my like family story and birth story. And then uh, fast forward to meeting all these siblings, which I had to count them all. (laughs) There's 16 of us, including two of his legitimate children that he had with his wife. So 18. Um, And out of the 16 donor kids, everyone except my brother and I were 
the product of a either infertile or absent father, but we were the only lesbian parents, kids of lesbian parents. So that was interesting because I always assumed most of the sperm donation was for uh, same-sex couples. Um, yeah. But that, and, and we were the only ones that I think two of them knew, but everyone else, it was a total surprise in like their late 20s, early 30s. They found out that their father that they had grown up with and been raised by was actually not their biological father. And that was pretty wow. intense for some of them. It was validating for some of them and also intense for others. And there was a level of betrayal. Um, I, I would say it was a mixed bag, really. Did they find out because they were finally told? Or did they find out because they did genetic testing and it was genetic ridiculous. testing? Yeah. So oh that my was gosh, really? Wow. Yeah. So the way I found out, and that kind of circles back to how everyone found out, was my brother who I grew up with or who I knew grew up adjacent to um, because our parents did end up splitting up when he was six and I was two. Um, But he emailed me one day and said, check your email. Um, I think that's all he said, check your email. So I got, I went on and checked my email and I saw a picture for the first time, a headshot of my dad. Oh my God. And it was a, (laughs) which was crazy because you know, you have a lot of ideas in your head of what he may look like based on what you look like and your half brother and your mom and his mom. But to actually see his face was a wild experience. Um, and then I read a little blurb and it was another brother who was like, hey, I'm your brother. This is your bio dad. Here are all your siblings. Like we've all been connected via both 23 and ancestry were there was some crossover 23 and me and ancestry um like some of us only did one or the other but eventually i think it was maybe 12 at the time 12 people had been connected and then since that and that was the spring of 2018 since that there's been like one new sibling every 4 months on average that kind of just pops Whoa. up and now what we're up to the age range on on this group of siblings. Right? Yeah, it's like oldest. twenty. I think the youngest is at this point thirty one, maybe. I might actually be the youngest. I, so I I'm thirty two. So it's like thirty two to thirty six, maybe oh, thirty. Right. We're up to thirty seven. Yeah. So this was like eighties, eighties, early eighties. And very close in age. Yeah. Yeah. You must have been a popular choice. Right. Well, interesting. And are you spread out? Like, were they all from the same area? Or like, is this like spread out across the country? I mean, like, does everybody live in the Yes. This is the interesting thing. At that time, there were only three sperm banks in the whole country. San Francisco, New York, and an obscure state in the Midwest. And my parents, this shows how dated of a situation it was. They chose the obscure state in the Midwest because it had the lowest HIV rate. And at that time, there was, you know, testing for HIV was a little, you know, or there was some, you know, blood transfusion issues. And that was kind of where medicine was at. So they opted for that. And it was a, a medical school. However my father happened to just have a friend that worked there and not be a medical student so that's even funnier um 
because I would always thought my dad was a doctor, but he's not. <laughs> oh. it, so, he's even better, but he's not a, a doctor. <laughs> for you to open that email and then see a headshot of this biological father, how how was all of this revealed to him? Like, did he have did, had he posted his DNA and traced, yeah. or did everybody? like essentially so him out I think what happened was they one of the siblings one of the initial like early on siblings maybe two years before I found out had contacted him and his family and they thought it was like a Russian bot because her face looked so much like his that they thought they had like taken his image and she was uh An like AI, AI gen yeah like scamming him being like I'm your daughter oh, and wow. these are your grandkids <laughs> right? so that's How crazy freaky. and then they realized oh no like this is actually real do you think he but was also, like, oh shit I did do all that sperm donating I mean I think it took see. a minute to click yeah you would you would think that would be a but he, I don't think he had any when he got his DNA tested I don't think he had any thought in the world that that would happen oh which is God. ironic Why not but, think that, right how do you not right he's that's, you know and that's the funny thing about him is he's a little bit like jovial and the kind of he has this kind of innocence to him that a lot of us have and this kind of like assume the best and then <laughs> endure on you know uncharted so, territory okay so how did that feel like how did you feel to open your email and see this picture and then just like all of a sudden there's this pandora's box of yeah totally. were um, you excited were you yes horrified like, i was is that um i was super excited i think i like burst into tears because it was just so emotional to like see the image that i'd like always just because i remember growing up i was like i just want to see a picture like i don't need a relationship right, i was knew. just so curious yeah totally and you um, knew your whole life I, that there's this this person out there that did this for your family so there's right. wonder that's wonder why. and it's such an intrinsic part of you like you realize it really is like 50 percent of you regardless of like how you were raised or experiences you had like constitutionally you're 50% this person so for me it was very um confirming and just like close like a sense of closure that I was just so delighted to have and never thought I would um do and... you look like him do you see your features yeah I look face? the honestly I look the most like him he's really? even said that yeah wow. yeah which is funny and I look a lot there's like a spectrum. This has been fascinating too. Like his features and then his parents' features, you'll see them. And again, we're all half siblings. So it's just his, you know what I mean? We're not like, oh, and then the, the same mom. I mean, some of the some of the moms have double two kids by him, but the the like phenotype expression and how it kind of skips. Like I look a lot like my grandfather, his dad as well. Um, and just there's different features that are from him like some of us have like more like like feathery eyebrows and some of us have like a more furrowed brow but they're both his side and you can like see it mm -hmm. from his parents and him and then the third generation and it's just really interesting 
Um, and the dimple, a lot of us have it, like, I, I would say almost 90 of us, 90% of us have a dimple. Um, and then, yeah, some other interesting common threads, like we all have like, not great low backs, <laughs> which was a funny, I went to the, I went to the spine doctor once and I was like, well, it's hereditary. And he was like, well, actually, there's not really any evidence that low back issues are. And I was like, well, I have 20 half siblings from a sperm donor and half of us have bad low backs. And he was just like, okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, wow. I am creating yeah. my own research That's at this right. point. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if there were ever really? a sample large enough, What an yeah. amazing opportunity to do research, though. Like if you really, right, nature versus nurture and biology, if you have a sperm donor that sired 20 kids, you can really yeah. get some data from that. So, okay. You sure can. Do you 18, grow I guess, up? But there's definitely 20 okay. out there. There we go. Right. There's definitely 20. There's got to be a couple Absolutely. more that are going to pop up. So mm -hmm. you grew up knowing about this and wondering and, you know, being excited. What about the others? Like, for someone to just have this be revealed to them, what was their feeling like? How how do they how are they dealing yeah. with this situation? So I I think one of them that that I can speak of, right? Some I know some of them, two of them that come to mind, it was like kind of con confirmation for them because they felt so different from their families. Um like mm -hmm what one's a a guy and one's a girl and they both like the guy felt just so like he's like athletic and agile and his dad was like he he grew up thinking he was like half middle eastern and part of this culture and his dad was like kind of like awkward in his body and they, he was just like how did i like how did you <laughs> create me and then he finds out oh you didn't and it's like oh wow like it just was very validating for him and then he had a lot of like sadness about not he thought he was an only child so he had a lot of grief around like not getting to grow up with us which is like such a weird he was like i feel like it's a phantom limb which is like such a weird yeah. concept to think um and then another one she just always felt like too much for everybody and when she found out she had a different father it, like all clicked for her of like just she has like a social warmth that was never in her family mm -hmm. um and then other two like another set siblings their um like father love fa father by love died when they were 14 or something like that and then they their mom lied to them about it when it all came out and was like oh no your dad donated sperm and then like years later they found out no your dad is this guy and you're you know just a big like mess of kind of feeling betrayed and lied to so they had a hard time with it but I kind of in the beginning I kind of made it my job to like pull everyone out of their shell and make it a positive like experience and be like you have more family like that's a good thing and we're all nice and like no one's crazy except a few of them were actually like mentally ill and one of them was like schizophrenic so we had to kind of like oh, not wow. involved with her because we were like gonna go visit her and then she was like sending crazy messages we were like okay like maybe not that one I mean they cannot we can't all be normal right there's too many of us so wow. yeah it's been a you know so and does and that trigger like, uh like okay do we all have a schizophrenic Component. not really I mean, no because okay. like my mom 
my mom is um, bipolar, so I've always been like, am I bipolar? And I'm like, I don't think that's an issue for me at this point. So I don't think it's from his side, honestly. I mean, if it is, yeah, so. Okay. I'm not, Well, yeah. so speaking of moms, like, how did your mom's mother, how yeah. did they feel about the fact that this has all come to light? Are they in favor of you guys? knowing him and knowing the, each other's siblings they're like neutral because I don't think they're excited they, they're not like oh yay I'm so glad you know they never in a million years thought that they would this would ever happen so for them I think they just really went down this road of motherhood as a single mother and it was just you know a sperm donation to them so I think it was a little like uh what but they're certainly not discouraging of it um I don't know about my brother's mom as much I haven't really spoken to her but I know my mom's a little like well I hope everything goes okay and I'm like well what's gonna (laughs) do you like I do too you know like the few times because actually um more recently I live close to my father's son so I've seen him a few a few times recently he's the one I've been in the most contact with his biological Um, yeah his biological son yeah well and then all biological sons but like his right I like to do a distinction yeah (laughs) Yeah. um yeah so yeah it's a it's interesting and they're definitely in the beginning it was this initial kind of like excitement and connection we all did a reunion or six of us had a reunion because you said you do all um, live close you live close enough no no we live coast to coast yeah oh okay we're there's like a bunch of us on the east coast a few sprinkled on the west coast and then a few kind of in the midwest and adjacent states to where the donor initially was so so so, yeah started to come out in 2018 for you mm-hmm. for me and so in 2016 you for how, everyone else okay so you mentioned how covid changed things for this whole mm-hmm. dynamic what did that do yeah so that um made so it, it, it it's weird um everyone there's a common thread of kind of like what's the word like freedom fighting and like benevolence and like righteousness and then COVID kind of made that split in opposing polarized directions for like two of the brothers and one of my brother who used to be this super like Vipassana going like kind of monk type got all into like kind of right-wing theology and I don't know if it was from a place of like COVID's a conspiracy or what was going on but it was a little odd and then when I tried to reach out you know there was a little bit of hesitation on gathering and you know travel was so crazy and everyone was like they're gonna like shut like it just made it harder for us to get together and see each other and then there was some you know people one would be like oh did you see his like thing he posted on Facebook like he's so crazy because one of them was already a little crazy with like the hand sanitizer. So imagine COVID oh and you're like super crazy. I just want to so, say though, well, I think the phrase <laughs> right wing theology is like, wow. To put those two things together and I don't know, I just feel like that's a whole, 
point. It's of, a whole thing. It's a, right. It's a <laughs> mashup that I never really put my finger on it. But like, yes, there is a right yeah. theology. So is it clicky? Like, are the siblings clicky? Do you have like, I, yeah, um, is that group? Mm, not really. No, I think, I don't think so. No, it's kind of like there's a few coupled siblings, like me and my brother and um, but no, there's not like a unified force. I would say I'm probably the most friendly and in touch with everyone of the girls. There's one guy that's in touch with a lot of people. He's kind of like the liaison, but I don't know. It's kind of like a personal interest. Like I, a lot of people are like, eh, I don't need any more like friends or family or this is weird. And some people are more curious. I'm so curious about like genetics and um yeah, genealogy is fascinating. So for me, it's just really interesting. I, so. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I feel like that's the part that I would find the most interesting too. You know, this is obviously not the same, but both of my parents were married multiple times. I, my eldest half sibling is 69 and oh, wow. his children are older than me. And so it's interesting just to see like how similar we are. And we grew up totally. in not together. I mean, mm-hmm. he grew up across the country mm-hmm. from me. I it's just, it's, I don't know. I think and that's like a 35 year spread between him and you. And 40 between him and my little sister. Right. My so like, it's a completely yeah. different generation. Completely different generation. Completely different lifestyle. All of it's different. It's just really interesting, I think. But I am so similar to him in a lot of ways. And there are both... quite a few of you, too. There's Yeah, there's there's nine between all of us. Yours, okay. mine, and ours family, you know. Right? Yeah. But it's interesting to see the threads of similarities between my half-siblings on bo- from both parents. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm totally. Fascinated. I'm fascinated by that in general. So I can't imagine how that feels for you. Yeah. So the yeah, biological father's children by marriage, how do they... Mm-hmm handle this whole thing are they cool with it are they into it or they fringy right one of his kids his daughter's not into it and his wife's not into it and his son's did she doesn't care really um i think he ever tell her that this was a possibility so she she knew but no one was ever like in in 20 years when they advanced dna technology and people are just registering left and right to have their dna screened no so she knew but it wasn't um no one ever thought yeah no one ever and neither did i i mean i even when 23 and me came out i wasn't like oh my god this is how i'm gonna meet my father i was at one point a few years before this happened i was like mario let's like hire a psychic and like go to the medical school and look through yearbooks like I had all this like I was all motivated to go find him track him down but it's way more like honest, cool and Nancy Drewish too like <laughs> yeah very video library in the that's really cool yeah good thing I didn't because he wouldn't have been in the yearbook because he didn't go to school there and he, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have like I think I had a different you know how you create an image in your head it was different so I don't know if I would have been like oh it's him but now I can see it all I see the thread but do you like him (laughs) I yeah I won't so I've met him once I've communicated with him a little bit but I also I don't really I don't know I'm not that 
interested in like because his wife and daughter aren't cool with it I'm kind of like I don't really want to step on anyone's toes and I don't feel like a a need to have him in my life but I do like him I think he's like funny and charming and like I'm glad I feel grateful that I got his DNA and minus the back that's really not great at the moment (laughs) um, everything else I feel like I got lucky and I also had a friend who not similar situation his dad was just kind of like an absent dad but he had like a re rekindling intro with family dad and brother and he had such a negative experience and they were such kind of negative people that that put it into perspective for me that like you know your your brain chemistry is genetic your outlook on life is genetic you know your personality is genetic so that can you can get you know not a great card (laughs) in this life so I'm grateful that I got that card or the card that I did yeah so you mentioned that you wanted to talk about that like the nature versus nurture Mm. and the discoveries that you feel like you are in the process I just really want to dig into that because like she was just saying like it's so fascinating to think about siblings that are dispersed through households Mm. and what they grow up with like but then to also have you know, the half siblings, and then we're spread out amongst different, like, what did you get from that experience? What are you getting? I'm sure it kind of continues to evolve as time goes on. What do you think is interesting about it? Yeah. Um, So I would say the, there's a common thread of like creativity, everyone, regardless of profession, even though there's my dad is a professional artist, like a real professional artist, like 30 years of just doing art and kind of doing bigger stuff or like, um, you know, not just like painting in his cabin kind of art. And then I'd say half of us are in the creative field and like have done that professionally. Um, and then even the not like textbook creative fields have a element of creativity, like either design or something of that nature. So that's been interesting. Um, there's a common thread of like we have also have very similar voices which is interesting because my whole life everyone's always been like oh are you from California and I'm like no I'm (laughs) not at all actually and then I met all my siblings and we all kind of have this like deep voice similar mannerisms like inflections um, cadence it's very it was very interesting Um, when I met him he said my body language was just like his daughter's um, and just I, I kind of like moved like her and it was that which is fascinating I've never even met her or spoken to her so yeah like um, and then, tone is not something you ever hear about when you talk about genetics like that everybody no, has a similar vote right. tone. so that's really but really the, interesting yeah but think about like the DNA that makes your voice box and your layering and all that is is genetically inspired so it could it checks out that it could be you know genetic um and then what you else said something so about the, outlook too like I want you to talk about that like oh yeah so your, this, your this outlook funny, on life comes from genes tell me what you mean by that. yeah okay so this was a funny experience I had so I met my current partner over a year ago when we were on vacation and I um 
I ended up moving to be with him. And I, in the beginning of that, like the month or two I had arrived, I invited my brother over to hang out with us. And this was the second time I'd met him. This is my brother, my father's like son that he had um, with his wife. So second time I met him, he comes over and we ended up, it was supposed to be like a lunch date and it extended. It was like a 12 hour thing. He went home at maybe one in the morning, but it was so crazy because he was talking just, he was kind of just like unloading. Like it was almost like family therapy because I think he just felt this like innate safeness and we're all very open so it was just like let's just talk and he said that was interesting he was like we don't really talk about our feelings like this in my family which I was like oh that's interesting because I would assume you would but anyway so we were talking and he was just verbatim repeating like sentiments and perspectives and philosophies that I had just told my like new partner that I had met and it was so weird because we were looking at each other like oh my gosh do you remember four days ago when I said this exact thing to you and it was just really crazy and it's kind of like an attitude about I guess it's like like an easygoingness or like a trust like a universal trust just being very open and and like willing to help people um you know not like you're not the person that's like not helping people or or like oh I don't want to help you or don't trust that person like you're trustful to a fault almost um and then perspectives on like jealousy and approach and like you know um yeah there was just all sorts of it was a it was like just a long conversation and there were so many similarities and then my partner was talking to him about um me and how wonderful I am and he was like yeah that's my dad and my dad's like that and and the first time I met my brother it was we were all hanging out and it was me my brother I grew up with another new brother and then the legitimate son and at the end when he left he started to cry and he was like I'm just so glad there's more of my dad in the world like he's such an amazing person and It's just, and he's not the type of person to just like start crying. It was very, we were all like, oh, wow, he's like crying right now because he's like overjoyed that there's more of his dad in the world. So that was really special and just stuff like that, you know? I mean, I'm sure you, you know, you have characteristics in yourself that you see from your parents. And as I become more like my mother, as I get older, it becomes even (laughs) clearer, like, what's my dad and what's my mom? So yeah that's that and another funny thing is so my brother's a creative and my dad's a creative and both their wives work in corporate jobs and they each have the same role like they they're the same position at a corporate firm my brother my brother's and father's wives and then my brother and father have the same job so that's weird that's <laughs> talk weird. about like generations they don't know each other at all that is not like the, my my half brother how glad are you <laughs> to find out that like this guy who has fathered all these children is a great guy the kind of guy that his son would say oh I'm so glad my there's more of my father in the world like are you so glad I really yeah. oh god he's not a total a-hole what if he was? Yeah. What if you met him and he was a, like a royal douchebag? Right. This would be such a yeah. conversation. It would be. Yeah, I know. I wonder. Um, and I think. Yeah, I guess I, I'm lucky. It does happen for people. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, for I sure. 
Well, you could think that like a serial sperm donor could be a certain type of person. Yeah. You know, I think you could make yeah. a lot of assumptions about what would motivate a person to do this. And that's what I mean, like to, to really recognize that people that did that, like really never thought about it. It's like, really? You never yeah. thought about it? I can't imagine that. But so what kind of person, right. is like, I'm going to do this thing and like, not think about that but also but typically the 80s, they're very young people right but in the 80s you didn't know what you didn't know for they had sure no, for they sure could have no contextual grasp of how technology and science was going to change right yeah, so yeah. i think well in his case his case his friend who worked there approached him and was like hey you should do this like i work here you know it's not like he sought it out and he was like a college student that needed $30 for right. sure. Right. <laughs> so, so it's just so cool. So what do you think about like from his end? I'm sure that when he did all this, like they signed paperwork and you know, you're anonymous yeah. you have a profile, but people don't know who you are. And now essentially he's been outed. Do you think that like present day, if you were going to go donate sperm today, there is no privacy anymore because of this whole genetic yeah. tracking Nancy Drew capability. But yeah. like, where's the, where are the boundaries in that? Would you expect mm. that a sperm donor can maintain their privacy for their life and prevent their children from finding out or do the children have a right to learn who their biological father is? I mean, I just think there's so many, right? In the eighties, we didn't know, but now we do. So anybody that's going to do this going forward, I don't know. I just feel like there's like a, a real, um, a real depth of digging that needs to be done. Like, so, okay. If you're a couple that's going in to do IVF or IUI, whatever right now, should they be told that they would potentially be in this situation, right? That that their children could potentially have loads of half-siblings that they would all be identified? Because I don't think most couples think about that either. They think about them. They think about their family. But they're not really yeah. thinking about that. Would a, would a husband or a partner choose differently if they knew this potential? And for that matter, should there be, like, private sperm? <laughs> like, like... Oh, we'll yeah. guarantee you well, that the sperm will only be used for you. I just feel like, like, what's going on here? And is anybody yeah. talking about it or doing anything about it? I think that there, they were told that there was a limit of donations that we're finding out later. I've heard a lot of, um, there's a lot of lawsuits because it's, it's, um, it's not, they did not honor the calf that they said existed. And there are loads of siblings. Um, <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> that's pretty crazy oh, that's to think about. <laughs> um, and they also, I think with, you just, you couldn't predict it. And I think if you, I think there should be private donation. And I think maybe if we treated it less of like, one person making extra cash on this and more like something you do once in a while, like you donate blood or you donate plasma, but you, that's not like a regular thing. I do think it's not a full-time job. Sense. It's not a full-time job. It's not your, it's not what your What do you do? I donate and... my sperm. That's what <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah, really. And um, 
and people like we were always aware there were potentially other siblings we didn't think there were this many and then my parents bought the remit supposedly they bought the rest of the samples from him to make sure that there weren't a ton of other siblings oh wow so, that's crazy that yeah. that an option yeah and i have a friend who's a child psychologist or someone was telling me recently that's in this field that there are actually um like lawsuits coming up against burn banks that were dishonest about how <laughs> the amount of donations yeah. that were we read about somebody in northern europe who was potentially this man was a uh serial sperm donor and he was potentially mm. evading the restrictions and basically like hopping into different districts, counties, whatever they oh, were wow. going and then like resubmitting sperm there. And I think they said there were about 150 children. And so wow. it was a huge thing. And so that had turned into kind of a conglomerate lawsuit to try to stop things like that. I mean, I think that's a very big exception to the norm. norm. Yeah. But still, yeah, tells sure. you a lot about the potential for someone to have a hundred biological children by moving all over the country and just kind of faking their way through it. That's really wild. That is wild. And it's weird to think about. I mean, I don't know. We Maybe we as women can't relate, but the desire to do that, I can't even imagine what kind of pathology would inspire someone to right. go to those lengths to well if there was an opportunity seat. for women to just like squirt their eggs out oh my god <laughs> different thing but for you to yeah. get an egg out of my body we're gonna have to take a lot of steps but yeah it's you're a, a man it's so invasive. uncomplicated like it's so easy mm -hmm. it's natural for them that yeah. i can definitely happening anyway <laughs> right. Like I can sit like, they're like, why should I waste it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people, people are psychologically fucked up sometimes. So, yeah. but also like, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more you've got somebody in the audience who's like, this is a great idea. How come I've never yeah. thought about this? I don't know. I've heard women too, don't, that are donating eggs and they're like, well, I don't know if I'll have kids. So like, at least I'll, I'll have a baby somewhere. You're like, interest, interesting, interesting. Uh, thought. I can't relate, but yeah. 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 I think everyone has very different relations to like procreation. I think honestly, my dad is like, there's a level of satisfaction and intrigue in it. I've sensed that from him where he's kind of like, wow, look at all my cool, like well-adjusted adult children that are now interested in me when my own kids are like out of the house and, you know, doing their thing. I get, he gets like a re-infusion of like, you know, interest. And I think I have sensed that he like likes that a little bit. Um, and he also, he was an illegitimate sperm donor before he got, he helped like one of his ex-girlfriends that was struggling with infertility get pregnant like too oh, wow. so there's just a lot of it's like i don't know so maybe he's got a thing but we'll we'll that's leave it at really that interesting I... <laughs> but that's what i mean like yeah do you feel like you'll ever be able to ask him that question or do you even want to ask or do what? you even want to ask him? like it, i don't think i need to <laughs> wait <laughs> what question <laughs> I, i've got his number i know what he's up to oh that's funny <laughs> yeah no. i get it 
Well, and I think obviously now that we're in such a place where science has come so far and helping people have families that like, I think even the idea of helping families has changed so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. in the 80s, it's like, oh, I'm just going to help this couple have a baby. Like, I mean, yeah, go do it. I'm never going to hear from them again, or I'm never going to know them. And now there's such a process behind it. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there are restrictions in sperm donors, allegedly in sperm banks now where like you can only donate so many times, you know, you have to go through background checks and I don't know, did you even, did they even have to do that in the eighties? I mean, yeah, they did. They did have like tests and screening. Yeah. They had genetic testing. They had background Mm -hmm. checks. They had to have like certain, you know, signs of health and vitality and like not a lot of family history of anything there definitely were um but it's just as we know genetics blend so in such an interesting way that it really is a roll of the dice no matter what you're gonna totally what you're doing (laughs) for sure it's um you can screen as much as possible and I'm sure testing has advanced a lot um and now they, I feel like they've, it's even more rigorous, probably like with, they probably do like IQ tests and stuff now. And <laughs> well, I would I, imagine, I mean. Well, and I think too, you know, now that we know that almost 50% of infertility is male factor too, I think the need for sperm is probably mm-hmm. and good. Wow. Sperm, I didn't know that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like pretty new statistics, but it's almost 50% male factor infertility. Interesting. Now. Right. It's wow. Really I had no idea. Yeah. It used to be more like 30%. And I think in a short amount of time, like 10 to 15 years, mm-hmm. they, they're estimating mm. now it's up to 50%, which says quite a bit about where we are. Oh yeah. I've been focusing on other health thing, like autoimmune diseases lately. I mean, that just goes to show you if like yeah. one in four women have an autoimmune disease, like what's happening with <laughs> health human health is on the decline so if you're interested in autoimmune disease i'm wondering do you have autoimmune disease family like in your family that you've noticed with your siblings because i come Uh, from that that has a lot of autoimmune disease with my sibling like all of us different ones so have you noticed so i haven't noticed I'm I'm like in the beginning stages, but I know I have it from my mom's side, and then I'm wondering ah. if there is a on my my dad's because one of my brothers might have it, but it's like a little bit. You know how it's kind of spectrum disorder, mm-hmm. and for sure we're looking into it. So, I, and that's another thing is like I'm thinking you could probably get screened for that in the '80s and not have anything show up, and maybe now I think a lot of people who don't have a history of autoimmune are getting autoimmune diseases. So it's, yes. it doesn't matter if you had it in your history or not, you're still susceptible. So, well, but. if you ever need a kidney, you have a lot more opportunities to find <laughs> it because it's now you true. have so many siblings be like, Hey, can we test you? Cause I'm going to need that. It's extra. true. Yeah. It's a gift. Yeah. I wish we were, I wish we were closer, but you know, like with friendships in life too, I I'm working on not putting energy into relationships that aren't reciprocal. And I felt like there's not as much, you know, everyone's busy. A lot of them have kids and you know, it's like, 
I don't know. It, it kind of, it was fun for a minute. I still have my brother. I'm super close with him. I see him all the time and I'm in touch with some of them, but yeah, it's kind of like the whole reunion. I don't know if we're going to be doing like an annual reunion, even though that could be fun. <laughs> I would be interested, but. So I have an interesting scenario that I want to ask you about because somebody told me about this. Um, this woman is a nurse and she was talking to a same-sex female couple about sperm donation, not necessarily in the fertility clinic. Like they weren't there to do this. It was more of this general concept. So these two women are married and they were talking about having to get a sperm donor and whatnot. And, you know, kind of given this whole scenario of, you know, potential. And the one wife said, I don't think I would want to do that. I don't think I'd want to get public sperm and have to, you know, wonder about all these potential siblings. Um, we would like to pursue a, a private sperm donation from somebody we know. So come to find out the other wife's brother is autistic and severe enough that he's not likely to ever have his own family and have children. And so they were actually considering using his sperm with the other wife's eggs so that they would have a biologically attached child from the autistic brother who would is unlikely to ever have children of his own. And I thought that was like deeply fascinating and very ethically twisty. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. I, yeah, I that's a that's a lot. I mean, it's interesting why you would want to maybe potentially have a child that had autism and struggled and well is autism I don't know I don't think genetic? I would do that like have we decided that if you're autistic your child will be mm, true we don't Not really know right and so yeah. I mean, it's wonderful to see that they don't think of it as something that would be um if they had an autistic child obviously they'd be ready to deal with those consequences it's normal yeah. to them because of his growing up experience but I just felt like it's so fascinating where we are in biology and the world and one, what we're capable of, but two, like what we've become comfortable with, you know, yeah. I don't know, like you hear stories about families that people a hundred years ago, and it was like sister, brother, cousin, we just don't really talk yeah. about it. There were a lot of questions. And I mean, is it really that different? Is it really that different? Except it's no, yeah. I mean, I feel like as long as there's not a, biological potential for a birth defect or an issue that well, I get that if I was with a woman and I would want to have a baby with her brother maybe why not I mean autistic right. brother I don't know just because I wouldn't I really don't think that's fair to stack the odds against a kid to have a harder time if yeah. if there's another potential but if you're really attached I mean people I feel like having a kid in 2023 is a bit of a self-serving act as it is personally because of just what your your kid is up against so I think people have this instinctual need to have a baby and they're gonna do it however they can so making it safe is <laughs> is good and and supportive of the kid is like the most important the details are you know details details but yeah that's an interesting thing I can understand though um wanting to keep to have more connections if possible like mm -hmm. familial familial connections 
Mm-hmm. Um, Great. Yeah. It's interesting. It is. We always, my, I think about... my parents. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, my parents considered like using a male friend, but I think they just didn't, I don't know. There was like no one they wanted to, that was willing or something like that. So they just went. And part of me growing up was like, I wish you had used a male friend, you know, because I didn't. Someone that you could have a relationship with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I see how it could get complicated and sticky and all sorts Mm -hmm. of, my brother, it's funny because my brother is gay. One of them who's actually my non-biological brother like a stepbrother and there was a period him and his boyfriend wanted to have a baby and they asked me and I was, was like one I don't want to give you my baby that I worked so very hard to create um and you guys are way too tall and have way too big of heads for me to want to have your kid but I was like in theory yeah totally in theory sure but no but I don't want kids so maybe it'd be different if I wanted to but it's a lot to imagine like having a kid, especially as a woman carrying it and then just giving it to someone like. Most yeah. definitely. We have a talk coming up about surrogacy and just that, that mm. whole thing, like carrying ounces child, essentially donating your eggs to somebody to have a child. I mean, just all the ins and outs of that, yeah. what that must feel like it's yeah. a very, there's I, just so much. That's why I we want to do this podcast because it's like interesting and there's an endless amount of information that comes out all the time about all these dis- things we didn't really have totally. access to before. It's amazing. And something kind of segue, but also connecting this experience and then genetics. I have a friend who had a set of twins that she basically like rescued an unwanted embryo or an embryo left behind. She's embryo a donation. tall blonde woman embryo donation or they were you know they were frozen and no one was going to use them so she she got pregnant with a a set of asian latino twins she's a tall blonde woman and she gave birth to these twins and they look like her they have like the same face shape as her they're not her children at all they're not even the same ethnicity and they look like her and that is just fascinating because you know just i guess growing in her womb was enough right yeah it's wild so don't they say that you like your dog over time (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) or you act like i'm like i feel like it's impossible for me to look like my dog (laughs) i was just listening to another podcast about how they were talking about you have like in with gut, gut health that eventually over time your household like your husband your children your dogs you all eventually evolve similar gut health and like a Mm -hmm. similar familial gut microbiome well you know now they do like that makes sense i know and that's wild wild that's a side hustle (laughs) that's another (laughs) you can like have you seen those commercials yeah i think it's several hundred dollars to donate your stool for a fecal transplant yeah you can make like thousands a month my husband (laughs) from donation out Oh, that's right. He applied for that, but he did not get chosen. I and I'm assuming it's because I don't know. I I, I really because Sam's in like optimal health. I don't really know why, but yeah, he wasn't picked. What are they looking for? It was a pretty rigorous application. Yeah. 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 I learned about it because when I was getting an IVIG infusion, my nurse was telling me, well, she had just started 
at this new clinic or at this new job. And before she was a nurse for fecal transfers and like transplants or however, whatever the appropriate terminology is. Um, because she was asking me about my autoimmune diseases and I was like, my sister has Crohn's disease. And she's like, oh my God, my last job, we did that for people who have Crohn's and ulcerative colitis all the time. Wow. Wow. That is really wild. I mean, things are possible these days. For sure. Uh I know. And it's just going to keep going. It's like, there's no end in sight to the innovation and advancements and like health and science. I think that's why it's important to talk about things like this. Like people go to the fertility clinic for whatever reasons they go, but I don't think that in that moment, really like their, their approach is so myopic. We want to have a baby, but they don't really have access or interest necessarily in all of the periphery about what has come out in fertility and reproduction nationwide and across the globe and Brian and I were saying, like, if you've never known about it, you've never thought about it, none of this has ever even occurred to you. When you hear it for the first time, it's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, questions <laughs> you never knew you'd have to answer. And then not only you having to answer them, but you having to have a partner who has to answer them and you have to agree. And what if you don't agree? Like, there's so many things. So that's really why the Protected Space podcast has been birthed, if you will. Because we just feel like there's an audience of people that are, they, they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And we should do a better job of putting some of this out there because fertility rates are rising. People are going to be in these circumstances more than they might think. So we just feel like how interesting to talk about like this underbelly, all this stuff that exists, but you don't really know about it unless you find yourself there. And when you find yourself there, it's like, what? the fuck are you talking about how does any of this happen how do you have 18 siblings i never knew that was a thing so um Mm. that's really why we said let's let's get into this let's talk to people who've been in these Mm. circumstances and just hash it out well and i i will say there are so many things i mean i'm an ivf patient that i did not know were going to be questions for us the first time i had ever thought about what happens to our embryos if we die or if we divorce or if one of us dies and the other one was when I got handed a contract to sign on for us to sign off on what does happen if we divorce. And we were like, well, what what does happen? They're embryos. Like, what do you mean? They're not people. They're not custody. And you see that like literal like custody battles over embryos. It's wild. And these were like, what and like I mean I I don't know I it was just so fascinating to me that the first time I'd ever even thought about any of those questions was when I was in a contract and needed to sign what what happened to them you know right yeah and I don't think it is crazy and I remember talking about it telling my sister about it and I was like oh yeah if Sam and I die you get our embryos and she was like you I don't what? want. <laughs> yeah, what am I gonna do? What <laughs> plant a tree under above them? Uh, uh, anyways, so yeah, I feel like there's a really good movie that's gonna come out though. Like, we're going to start seeing this being played out in in Pop these... culture. Yeah, I think we have already. Wasn't there that movie like the kids are not all right? 
Um, oh, is that what that? And then there was that, yeah. And then there was, yeah, because I remember. I mean, my whole life. It's funny to to watch how my story and circumstance has become almost like a social currency. Like people are like, oh my god, that's so cool. Like, tell well, me more about like your that documentary. Yeah, and like, yeah. After be- years of getting like you know teased by kids for being a, I was in like artificial insemination but I always people are like oh you're a test tube baby which isn't even accurate but nowadays like half of children are test tube babies so nobody's they gonna really be are. getting teased over any of that but it's just interesting like the way social and societal norms have shifted and this is like just a different scenario for people but there are documentaries and then remember that I mean this is a little more nefarious but that uh Netflix one about that guy the doctor that was like inseminating everyone oh yeah of, sperm which is yeah which is an interesting thing because you're like okay it's like it's creepy because it's his sperm but it was a random sperm to begin with but he was also building some like force of like some it had some like white supremacy undertone that's what was I was like, saying like that scared. whole master race Mentality. Oh my god, yeah. That's where I think the drive to like purposefully go out and do this. Oh, you can see people being like, Well, I am a representative of the master race. Yeah. And if we band if together and do this, we can then, you know what I mean? Like they could totally their um directives by yeah the sperm donation. Oh and, my god. Right? I mean, that's what I mean. It's I think you're horrific. gonna start to see yeah sci-fi pictures come out that that kind of get into these things because they've got to be running out of like there are just only so many mission impossible so like we're gonna have to come up with some new movies to make pretty soon oh my god no offense tom there there are some i think too there are just like men of all races that have that weird impulse to like impregnate tons of women (laughs) i don't know definitely Uh, i can think of a few right mormons sister wives they those men often have you know yeah. lots of children with numerous women because of these ideas and i'm sure on other yeah. continents it exists as well yeah That's well a, yeah the mormon the whole yeah well yes that is an interesting uh group for sure um okay camille Oh, it froze for a second. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, oh, no. So I, I was just looking at your last questions, but I think we covered most of it. Yeah. Is there anything else? Government oversight. Government oversight. <laughs> I, lo- oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, it's a loaded question anyway. I don't think well, so. Like- I think it. it's, uh, oh, God. The, the fertility clinics have to report to the CDC. Right. So we know that there's a, a certain amount of tracking, but I feel like they're not necessarily tracking this part. They're tracking outcomes mm. and, you know, that type of data. But I don't know. I really yeah. don't. Know. I actually started to look up all these things and I probably will anyway, because I feel like there are groups that are speaking out against this. Um, mm. again, like theological groups that just don't believe in this process for these reasons and feel yeah. potentially harmful. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like it's only fair to talk to them and like hear their opinion about like why this is unsafe and why we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Uh, we definitely Gosh. want to be people that air both sides of the laundry. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't really disagree with them in some ways, but it's also like pick your battles and I don't know. Everyone handles challenges differently. I I don't know. It's it's hard because I think growing up, a lot of people were always like, it's not okay to have like a, a kid without two parents and that whole traditional family structure. But there's so many, you know, broken families in the world that I don't right. think that's a, a good point because what, you know. Right. We've what does unraveled it mean to... that context enough that yeah. family can be modern family so many ways, whatever totally. version you want it to be i totally. think one of their arguments though is if there are a multitude of siblings in one region what's the potential for um yeah you know biological genetic distress and totally. so like, no that's valid it's valid and it makes you think like okay, so does every couple need to have their genetics tested before they move forward because really at this point who knows who what could right. be there. it is it, again it's like very science fiction but in another 20 years you can see people going well 20 years ago they didn't really know that this was how it was going to go you know what yeah I mean? the way sure. life changes so rapidly now we probably don't know what 20 years will they'll be looking at and going well they probably just didn't recognize right. it's gonna happen so yeah i mean i just think it's important really to think about it from from all sides yeah and we talk about like the donor rights a lot but it's like what about the kids rights or the Absolutely. unborn human that's like has no say in this circumstances being brought into the earth and has no knowledge like i think everyone that has a sperm donor father should know from the beginning like they talk a lot about telling babies babies who have had traumatic birth stories like you talk to them about it in the first month of life to normalize it you're like you tell them what happened and that they were okay and da 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 so i think that would save so much damage if just kids grew up knowing that their parents it was normal and they they had to use a donor and this is their love dad and their bio dad or whatever that would have saved half of my siblings like it's like adoption third life crisis yeah exactly you can it's just as try to yeah. you can try to prevent your child from knowing that they're adopted but it's pretty right. challenging to do these days i think most adoptive families have become much more yeah it's no longer should, a dark mark on your record to have adopted your your children so i think right. it's become much more you know that you share you start sharing from from the beginning the beginning and so I yeah think this needs to roll i guess to that i guess also though part of what they do with these couples is they um they're inseminating them and having sex with their husband so that when they do get pregnant, they're like, Oh, maybe it was his, we don't want to know. So it's kind of this oh. ignorance is bliss. So that's what, you know, because a, a few of the siblings, their parents told them like, yeah, well, you know, we were having trouble, but we just did it. And then, you know, we didn't like, that's the whole point is so all these kind of conventional people ha having children in such an unconventional way can kind of go about their day and not put right. too much thought they can into leave the it gray they can leave it in yeah the exactly like, well, i don't really know maybe one day we'll and find. it's crazy because like my brother could have been half 
Middle Eastern, but he wasn't. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's weird how that happens. Even in IVF, that's a possibility. There are couples that have transferred one of their own embryos and one that was either a donor egg or or donor embryo. And so they don't know which one is the one that they're now carrying. They won't be able wow. to go until they can do genetic testing once that, you know, once that child is born, if they ever decided to do Want that. To, For a lot yeah. of them, it's or that. Like, we're just not going to find out and we're yeah. just going to say it's ours. It's really crazy. Which makes you wonder why you have to do go through these lengths anyway, then just adopt a kid that you know isn't yours. <laughs> it does, you know what I mean? It's like kind of a weird philosophy, but. It's totally weird. It's so hard to adopt too. It's awful. It's so people, people, and it's funny because that's like the number one thing people say to couples who struggle with infertility is like, just adopt. (laughs) And I'm here to say it is harder, I think, than going through IVF. Like it is, there are just so many more hoops. The uncertainty is so much more. I mean, you're just living. I've heard that. Just don't know. And it's more expensive. Um, but we're also on like an embryo donation list. And like, in order to like go through that, we were, we had to go through like a full psyche vow and all this. And like mm. part of being able to pass, pass the psyche vow was like, you had to answer questions about how you were going to tell your child that they're a donated embryo. Like there's like a whole oh, protocol wow. that they like encourage you to use mm-hmm. so that, you know, there's books on using donor or like on, being you know a product of a donor couple or and their recommendation is you start reading these children's books that talk about using donors Mm. to come to life from the time they're born Mm -hmm. and then that story is just normalized as they get a little bit older and they just know like it's just something that they just inherently know by the time they're old enough to really understand what that means Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating yeah that seems like a healthy approach I think probably (laughs) for sure I was just thinking to what you said about 20 years from now I bet you there's going to be like a service where you can get like a picture a life progression snapshots of what your kid with this donor would look like this donor would look like because you know how they're able to generate these images guaranteed is doing that "Hmm, I'll go with donor b he's got the nicest features that blend with mine or whatever I bet but you might get these diseases (laughs) warning (laughs) like you all combined (laughs) it's like that um ai generator that you see on tiktok right now where it's like put your partner's faces together and we'll show you what your baby's gonna look like exactly trending yeah ai generated thing on tiktok right now and they're able because i'm I'm big into true crime which is another common thread amongst the siblings (laughs) but they uh they're able to take dna and generate an image of what that person would look like just based on DNA to, for suspects for like, uh, so why wouldn't they be Cases able to that take, were like 20 you know? years old or whatever, like this yeah. is what it would look like now. Exactly. Like, and they can say what it like, what their ethnic background is, et cetera, types of hair, type height, everything like facial features. So yeah, it's probably just beginning. And then that womb farm, I don't know if anyone saw that. It was pretty crazy. I'm sorry. Did you say a womb, womb farm? farm? Have you seen that? I don't know if it's no. real, but they were talking about like, gosh, She's yeah. actively searching right now. Backtrack. It, yeah, it's like you rent a womb and, and your baby is grown in like an artificial womb. 
Okay, I have heard that this is a potential thing. But yes. I, you were still pretty far off from it. No, this is real now. I mean, the cons, even if we're not, the fact that that is even something people are working on is Because weren't they doing scary. it with goats? Didn't I, did I see it? Was it with goats that they were able? Um, I can't remember. The advertisement is with humans, but um, I can probably find it too. We'll fact but... check it. Don't worry. Yeah, fact check it. Probably not real. Probably no. It's definitely. I did. I definitely <laughs> saw something. I have. I have read about this, but I thought for some reason yeah. goats, but that they were then yeah preparing for humans. So I'm sure they're gonna start with goats, but yeah. <laughs> I just when you say womb farm, I have like very scary images that start appearing in my head. It's totally. very Handmaid's Tale. I don't like it. It at- is absolutely. Yeah, there's something about that that's a little mm, like very triggering, very right. pod people. Yes. Like, oh, for sure. He works at the farm. And oh also, gosh, farm too imagine. has so many connotations to me. Like, you hear, like, I like it's my least favorite thing when somebody's like, well, the, you know, I had to send my dog to the farm. Like, that, like, Oof. that's horrific to me. And so to think that that word can be used in so many different mm-hmm. connotations mm-hmm. to end life and to begin life. And like, I just don't like that. Ooh, nope. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. Oh, here I found it. Um, Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility, which can incubate up to three thirty thousand babies a year. <gasps> oh, what is it? Oh, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, E C T O L I F. Oh my god, that's. Well, yeah, I have. It's like we're gonna have to do a whole episode on this. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my god, whoa! It's all fu- it's oh my gosh, gosh. that looks not real. Oh, that's so it's weird. Terrible. Somebody Can you imagine? Life. I... No, that's wow. what I'm saying. It's so not human it's so yeah talk about ethical <laughs> ethical yeah <laughs> uh, it makes me deeply uncomfortable to think about and is, yeah. that, and is that done to replace the idea of a gestational carrier is that the goal of that who knows i mean probably that, also right? people like, we people that don't want to carry their own babies like celebrities that don't want to destroy their own right whatever muscle tone or deal with it they'll they'll just re- ship it off to the warehouse for it's insane oh that's crazy erin you seem like very stressed out about this I, I, like, is this, <laughs> like, is this some sort of like i know it's youtube scam it's hard I mean, it's hard to know but if we have the technology to fertilize and freeze embryos, why couldn't we grow them? It's not that right. It's not a far leap, but that's what I'm saying. What happens in 20 years, what, what used to take 20 years probably now only takes like 10 or 12 less, honestly, with AI now, the way that we've been expedite all these things. I feel like 20 years from now we have, no idea what might be available uh we just be normal right we just really there's got to be things that you can't forecast 20 years ago what was what well no it's a little over 20 years but like when i was growing up and i watched back to the future we were obsessed with like 
hoverboards, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody could foresee the iPhone. Nobody foresaw that totally. we were doing that. So that was the unexpected Absolutely. piece. We were fixated on flying cars. Okay, well, we're not there yet, but we like there Apple, actually is a flying car. Word. Really? There, yeah, it just came out. It's like three hundred thousand dollars, and it can oh go God. from car to plane. Yeah, I like don't know what it's called. It's Jetsons real. This is a real thing. And goes, boop, 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 boop. It must. I've just been. My partner told me about it. He's into all that stuff. Yeah, it's really crazy. We have we have no idea. And also, just even thinking, the population went from a doubled in the last decade, basically a little over a decade like 4 billion to 8 billion since 2010 that's so insane so so many people we don't really need womb farms in that case not, i think we're doing all right <laughs> not so much well yeah with the ability to keep vitality longer as a human you know live longer i think that that's very yeah. fascinating well and again like the whole master race conversation who's to say that there's not going to be a secret womb farm where a particular group totally. of people are like, mm, we have a great idea. <laughs> We're going to wear master race or slave race. It could go either oh, way. Oh both, both directions. Like Absolutely. Yep. One a- of my brothers is convinced that that's <laughs> the direction the world's going is like uh, to create a slave race and, and uh, eliminate most of humanity. That's been a, a theme an interesting oh my guy <laughs> so yeah there's all sorts of theories out there it's crazy it is it is really crazy that's why partly i just avoid all of it and go home and plant flowers in the backyard yeah we're <laughs> oh we're God. lucky our we're lucky we get to do the work we do because it's very uh peaceful and kind of mm-hmm. wholesome in nature. it really is it oh, is yeah great. nice well, Camille, it has been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for telling your <laughs> Thank story. Thank you so much. Being willing to yeah. unveil all that. I know people are going to be really curious. For sure. We'll love this. Anything um, you want to throw in here at the end? No, thank you for having me. And it was a fun conversation. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. So I look forward to ground. tuning in and future podcasts. And yeah, so nice to meet both of you. It's so nice to meet you, Camille. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. The Protected Space Podcast is hosted by Aaron Attaway and Bryant Liggett and is brought to you by The Fertility Resort. To learn more about us, head over to thefertilityresort.com and give us a follow on all social platforms at Protected Space Pod.